From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I am Adam Teeter, and this is a VinePair Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to give you a better idea of what's happening in the alcohol beverage world. Today, I am joined by Kat Hontis, the co-founder and CEO of 21 Seeds, and Pierre Bouquet, the VP of Marketing. Uh, Pierre-Rick and Kat, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to be here, Adam. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Adam. So, uh, you know, before we jump into talking about the business, can you explain to me what 21 Seeds is and how the brand started? Sure. Um, so good question. Uh, so 21 Seeds is an all-natural, real fruit-infused tequila, Blanco tequila. comes in three infusions, Valencia orange, cucumber jalapeno, and grapefruit hibiscus. And actually, the reason it exists is because of uh, a problem that I was having with wine, of all things. Interesting. <laughs> so, very interesting. Um, it's sort of on, it was actually on doctor's orders. Um, I was a wine drinker. I drank white wine and rosé uh, for many years. And then I just started to feel kind of crappy, went to my doctor. He looked at, um, did some tests. Everything was fine. Looked at what I was eating and drinking. And when we got to the fact that I would finish off my night with a couple glasses of wine every night, he's like, ah, there's the, there's the culprit. I think if you just stop drinking all fermented, so move away from wine, beer, champagne, and switch over to a distilled spirit. And he specifically uh, recommended that I stick to a Blanco, uh, you know, white spirit, um, not aged in barrels. Cause that, if you're sort of looking to drink cleaner, he's like the cleanest way to drink white spirit that's distilled. And he recommended I switch to Blanco tequila. It comes from a plant, you know, um, right. agave plant. So it's gluten free, all of that. So, um, I did that. Uh, I actually went home and, on the one hand, I was very happy. He didn't ask me to stop drinking altogether because that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I, I really love looking forward. You know, I'm a mom, two kids and looking forward to the, you know, the end of my day, relax and unwind with my, with my glass of wine. And now I needed to figure out how to relax and unwind with Blanco tequila, which is a little, you know, much harsher than, than wine. So I thought, what am I going to do to this Blanco to just smooth it out? lighten it up a bit, make it a little more approachable, make it as easy to sip on as a glass of, of wine. And I love to cook. I started infusing it and um, by infusing it, actually infusing it much the way, you know, I was doing it in my kitchen, the way you would make sangria, right? Put the fruit into the tequila, let it sit uh, for various amounts of time. And um, by doing that, it it really did the trick. It, it smoothed right. it out, cut that bite of that harsh bite of tequila uh, smoothed it out tremendously, made it really, um, it just imparted a hint of flavor, but didn't make it overly sweet. Uh, you know, I find a lot of flavored spirits traditionally are quite sweet. They kind of have this weird aftertaste, like you're sucking on a nickel and smell like Jolly Ranchers. And, and when you're infusing, very, very different experience proposition, you know, in its entirety. So that did the trick and I would, I would still serve it in, you know, to myself and drink it in a wine glass. Uh, I would use a little bit of my infused tequila, some club soda, a slice of orange, and that became my new, you know, wine ritual. That became my new nightly ritual. And I did that for years and years, about eight years. And over the course of the eight years, I noticed that a lot of my girlfriends were making that same switch specifically from wine and champagne to tequila. And they were either drinking, you know, Blanco tequila, club soda, three limes, if we were out at a bar restaurant, or if they knew, you know, for our own personal use and their own personal use, they were asking me to make them bottles of infused tequila. So after, you know, 
the kitchen became sort of a lab, um, we decided to turn it into a business. And I did that, yeah, with my sister, Nicole. And uh, I started the company with my sister, Nicole, and my girlfriend, Sarka. And that's where the name 21 Seeds comes from. It's two sisters, one girlfriend, and seeds. Everything that goes into 21 Seeds is all natural and comes from a seed. Oh, cool. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious about how you built the brand. So the brand has only been around for what, like a little over two years, right? That's right. Um, but already growing pretty quickly. So first, did you, um, you know, when you started the brand, did you raise funding? Did you bootstrap it? How did you get this off the ground in the first place? Yeah. So we started the, the we initially started with our own, we, we each put in a very small amount of, of money, the three of us founders, um, to kind of just explore, you know, we, we did not come from spirits. The three of us do not come from spirits. So we needed to learn everything there was to learn about spirits. Like, how do you even, you know, how do you even make a tequila? How do you, uh, you know, import it? How do you, uh, what do we do once we get it here? You know, so just really like learning about the business. So we use that money to do that and do our, our research and, and figure out uh, if we could actually make the product. And then at that point, we raised a seeds round, a seed round, a seeds, <laughs> a seed round um, with, uh, with really from friends and family. And, and then we did right before the pandemic um, last year, um, we raised a series A. So we closed a series A round. So um, yeah, we've seen tremendous growth and we needed to finance that growth. And so um, that's what led to the subsequent rounds of financing. Amazing. I mean, look, raising money is really hard. So I commend you for being able to do that. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, after you sort of, you've raised money, you've gotten off the ground, I think you took a really interesting path, which is actually something that I talk to a lot of brands about often. And I feel like not many people do, which is you paid attention to where the consumers buy alcohol as opposed to where, I guess, as opposed to where consumers order alcohol. So what I mean by that is I think a lot of new brands really think that like their path to market is focusing on on-premise, right? So they, they want to get into the coolest bars. They want to be poured at de the death and companies of the world, et cetera, right? And they think that that's where the discovery is going to happen. Whereas you really seem to have very much focused on the actual retailers, right? The total wines and things like that. Why was that? Uh, and how did you make that decision? Because I have to tell you, I think it's a decision a lot more brands should make and don't. Yeah, thanks for um, for noticing that, and you articulated, which I can't do. You articulated that perfectly. Um, that is exactly what we did. We really thought about uh, her, where she shops, and where she goes to discover brands. First and foremost, right before where she shops is where does she go to discover brands? And I like to say with Twenty One Seeds, right? It's it's a product for her, by her, and the men who support her. But those first two spots are all about her, right? So, and, and our approach was very much like the, we thought about it a lot, uh, on how like RX approached it, right? They said, okay, we're going to create this bar and we're going to hit the CrossFit community. And, and I think when you're really focused, right, uh, you end up solving and we, we, we set out to solve 90% of all of her pain points, right? From like, where does she discover it? Is it a convenient product? Is it the product that she wants to be drinking? Is this the flavor profile she likes? Like, you know, oftentimes I think in spirits, the industry thinks that, uh, if just because women don't like something that's harsh, like say whiskey, they want something that's sweet. And that's actually not true necessarily, right? We just want something balanced and smooth. So, 
we really thought about every single one of her pain points, including most importantly, you know, where does she discover brands? And uh, our experience, you know, we are three female founders. Uh, we're also predominantly female owned and run. So we're surrounded by women. We had a lot of female friends to talk to. And what we realized was back when we launched in 2019, women were discovering brands what I, in what I like to call the outer premise, which is this, you know, online digital universe where they go to read about brands uh, that they, you know, don't know about. They go to discover cocktail recipes. They go to discover food recipes. They go to, you know, connect with their girlfriends. Um, and then so whether it's online where they're reading about us or um, truly connecting with their girlfriends uh, through like Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, all of that was happening there. And so that is where we focused from the beginning. And that was, again, before the pandemic, before the spirits industry as a whole moved over to online, uh, you know, and really realized that that was a channel that they needed to focus on because now this was the only way they could communicate and connect with their customer. We launched our brand in that way. So we were sort of ahead of the, the game with that respect, which was great because it really helped us grow much quicker. Yeah, I mean, you 100% were, which I think is really interesting. So obviously, you the way you talk about the brand, I think is really interesting. You talk about her and and really thinking about the the customer you it reminds me of the way you talk about another brand that I had on the the podcast recently obviously not uh not a spirit a wine bev um in the same way do you sort of were there other brands you were looking at as you were starting the brand to think about sort of how we want to talk about this who are reaching or was there an area of beverage you were looking at to say this is our customer and how do we sort of create a brand that goes after that same customer in the way that these other brands are? So again, because there are so few, um, you know, spirits within the spirits industry that in, from our perspective really are addressing that female consumer in an authentic way, um, you know, from inception, it wasn't like an afterthought or try to back into like, let's go grab that female consumer because she's important. So because there were so few of those in spirits, you know, we didn't have any examples that we could look to, to see how they built that. Um, I think it was actually great that we didn't come from spirits because we really could just look at other, we did look at other brands and how those brands were connecting. So we looked at like Glossier, we looked at Outdoor Voices, you know, we looked at those kinds of brands to think like, oh, it's about the occasion, you know, it's not so much about the thing that we're selling, but um inspiring that consumer, you know, to, to want to drink it in what occasion and what are the occasions that she's drinking our product in and thinking about around those moments and really driving, um, the marketing in that direction first and foremost, and not so much on the product. Like we've, we focused really hard on the product to make it perfect, to make it delicious and great and outstanding. And we've won great awards within the industry, which is awesome. But for us, we wanted to make sure, first and foremost, the product was delicious and amazing. And we feel like we did that. We, we, we like to say it's flavor done right. Um, and then after that, we thought, okay, that, that job is done now. Now let's think about what we stand for as a brand and who is, you know, how are we trying to reach these women and inserting ourselves in those moments in her life where she's celebrating. And that's, you know, that actually brings us to Pierrick. Um, Bouquet, who's on the call with us right now, I know he's not saying anything, although he has a gorgeous French accent that everyone should hear. But we thought it, to ourselves, we looked at rosé, right? 
rosé to us embodied, you know, is, is a rosé any better really like so, so much different than say a white wine or, you know, really um, like a Sauve Blanc or a Pinot Grigio or really any light wine? Is it so incredibly different? Yes, you guys in the wine industry will probably tell me there's a million reasons that are that make those two things or those categories different. But from from my perspective and from our perspective in terms of what rosé really from from our perspective stands for is it's that feeling that you get when you pop open a bottle of rosé. You know, as a as a woman, really, um, that means there's good time ahead, good times ahead with your girlfriends, with your, you know, whether it's you know girls' night or a cocktail hour, or we're going to go out, you know, to the pool or by the beach. I know when I pop open that bottle of rosé, I'm going to have this incredible experience, and um, because I couldn't drink my beloved rosé anymore. Right. I wanted to recreate that with 21 seeds. And so, and we even have a cork on our bottle. So when you pop open that, you know, uh, pop okay. off that, that wood cork, you know, the, we want women to have that same feeling that there's going to be this incredible moment that's going to get shared, like this amazing experience of coming together and celebrating with your girlfriends. And that's what we were, you know, setting out to create. And that's why we went and found the guy that really, you know, really did that, you know, t- took that to another level, really. Well, so Pierre, Pierre, you and I have known each other for a very long time. Um, obviously, you had a, a bunch of really cool events that you did in New York, La Nuit and Rosé, Pinknick, um, all those things. And you've been very much in the Rosé world for a long time. So I am curious, just from your perspective, what caused you to leave Rosé uh, and come into the world of tequila. What what was so compelling about this product that made you you know make the jump? Yeah, then I, I just had you know I just had too much rosé in my life. I I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> no, no. In all honesty, you know, I when I started with the rosé, you know, events and festivals back in what 2013. Um, what drove me into rosé at the time was was really about you know the occasion of of drinking rosé and and seeing how the millennial especially the millennial woman uh, were interested in, in this category of drink and this is what i find fascinating about about 21 seeds and where these you know infused tequila category is going because you know people chose rosé for a few reasons right um and and that's explains the success of of the rosé category within the last 10 years you know it's it's an easy product it's an easy wine to understand it's a beautiful wine uh from the color of it right it speaks to a demographic that didn't grow up with you know um i mean that grew up with um, with parents that were drinking red and white wine but they couldn't really identify themselves with these categories and you are, you know, you have a, a new category of wine that is available to you that you can actually uh, Instagram, uh, so Instagram it and, and put it on TikTok and and have fun with it. So that's how we did with rosé, and that's and and that's the beauty of it, and it's, it's why it's still very popular today. However, my passion is about looking at the trends in the drink category, especially where you know, the rosé demographics um, are going and what they're drinking. And I feel like um, what's happening right now in the spirit space um, with, you know, RTD and a lot of like, um, you know, uh, 
cocktails that you make, easy cocktail to make at home or to drink in bars, this is where, you know, the, the demand is growing right now. And this is the, the direction I want to take because I see this as, as the future drinks for, for millennial, millennial women and millennial moms. And 21 Seed is the definition of that, right? It's like you have this beautiful, um, high-quality tequila that was infused with, um, you know, grapefruit and hibiscus uh, or cucumber jalapeno uh, or Valentia oranges. So it has amazing qualities to begin with. And you simply have to add, you know, uh, a, a club soda to it to make it a delicious drink that you can enjoy the same way as you would enjoy a glass of rosé. And I think people, are, you know, are looking for new new experiences, especially, you know, integrating spirits in their drink experiences. Except like Kat said at the beginning, you know, if you just put uh, or drink like a regular Blanco tequila, it's not going to be, you know, the sort of experience that you want to have with a drink. And so that's that's the beauty of 21 Seed that I'm excited to uh, to be part of uh, of the story now. So Kat, when you started making the the drink, how did you figure out where to go source the tequila? What was that experience like? And how much did you work on sort of developing the recipes with the distillery in order to be able to scale to the level that you're at now where you're being able to supply, you know, places like Total Wine and Target and things like that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we had to scale so quickly uh, last year. You know, last year, the category grew, the premium tequila category grew 67% last year, largely driven by our sales, right? No one was talking about flavored tequila uh, in 2019, really, right? And then in 2020, the category was up 67%. And in the last, you know, uh, 26 weeks, it's up 138%. So we're really driving all that growth. And we had to scale quickly, right? And uh, the good news was, is we found an incredible partner down in Mexico, a distillery also owned by a woman and predominantly staffed by women, which I think was, you know, played a big part in why we were able to do the things that we were able to do because, you know, nobody was infusing tequila down in Mexico when we went down and started touring distilleries that would actually, you know, make the product for us. And, um, and then when we found this distillery, which was the one, you know, that we ultimately partnered with, um, we chose it based on the quality of the tequila, the base tequila. We needed the smoothest possible sort of blank slate. So that's what we were looking for. And we chose this, you know, her distillery. And I think because she saw, she told us this, right? She, we, we presented what we were trying to do. You know, she didn't have the equipment in place to, to infuse at scale. And, but she saw in us herself when she was first getting started, she's a second generation. Her mother also owned, her mother recently passed away, but her mother owned a bottling company in Veracruz, a tequila bottling company in Veracruz. So, um, you know, had kind of grown up in the industry, saw that there weren't a lot of women in the industry, so really wanted to bring more women into the industry. And she saw us three women trying to do something very different in tequila and make it much more approachable to like an audience that was curious about it and interested in it, especially for all the wellness reasons, but maybe still couldn't find their way into the category because it was still a bit too harsh for them. And she saw that we were really innovating and doing something different. 
and told us, you know, look, I see myself in you guys and really wanted to help us. So because of that, she was willing to allocate a certain portion of her distillery to where we could house our equipment and really get behind the brand, even though we had never proved ourselves in the spirits industry, we were new to spirits and, you know, new, certainly new to tequila. So she's been super helpful. The team there has been incredibly helpful. And it took us about, uh, I would say, close to a year to get, you know, the tinkering and everything down to make it, you know, the product that, that you taste today. Um, so yeah, it was, it was quite a journey and without, without that distillery, we would would never been able to do it. And so in terms of the consumption of, of 21 seeds, are you mostly recommending that people mix with it or is anyone drinking it straight on the rocks or what's, what's the, the desired way to consume it? Yeah. So the truth is, you know, I always imagined, uh, having a spirit on my bar cart at home as a woman that like, I love those scenes in, um, Mad Men where they just go and pour it, you know, warm, neat, right? Like straight into like a, a whiskey glass or something. I'm like, where's that spirit for women? And I think, uh, there are certainly women who drink it straight. Katie Couric actually loves the cucumber jalapeno on the rocks. That's how she drinks it. A huge supporter of the brand. We've asked, we've, we found some great support of, of 21 seeds early on. You know, we made Oprah's list of summer favorites. The way she loves to drink it is as a spicy margarita. So the cucumber jalapeno with just a little splash of simple syrup, little fresh lime juice, and you're done. Um, and then there's a whole group of people out there just drinking it as a spritz. And I would say that is probably the most common way that we are consumed is just 21 seeds, tequila, club soda, and garnish with your favorite fruit. Maybe you add a splash, but there's so many different club sodas now on the market, you know, and flavored seltzers that between those two ingredients, just 21 seeds tequila and a, a flavored club soda or a plain club soda or a flavored seltzer, you've got a gorgeous, you know, four or five ingredient cocktail and you've done two things, which speaks to the convenience part of it again, right? Which is another one of, uh, I say, women's pain points, but all, all people's pain points, right? Like when they're looking to make a cocktail at the end of the night, no one wants to like measure stuff and do math and, you know, you want it easy um, and you want it convenient and you want it versatile. And that's the other reason why we didn't make an RTD, right? Because I think with RTD, if you don't like exactly what's in the can, now suddenly you've got to like doctor that and, you know, add a little more tequila or add a little more club soda or whatever. And we figured if we just create this incredible infused tequila, then people can scale up, scale down, you know, go hard, go light. Like there's so much flexibility in it and it's still very convenient and easy. And you don't take fresh lime out of the equation. So the question for you, because obviously a lot of what we talk about on this, on this specific program is the business behind everything. And, you know, you obviously mentioned some amazing people who are fans of the brand and I'm sure people who are listening, you know, are curious, how did, how did those fans come about? Was that PR? Was that right place, right time? Are some of them also investors in the product? Um, How did you get to some of these people? Because I know we've had people who, who are avid listeners and entrepreneurs themselves who wonder how that happens in the first place. Absolutely. Uh, so, so so many of the fans that, that have found 21 Seeds, um, it's all happened organically for us. And I'll give you a perfect example. So uh, Katie Couric was interviewed um, by New York Magazine uh, at the end of the summer of 2019. And she was asked, like, what were some of your favorite things from the Hamptons from that summer? And she actually talked about us 
uh, and she had just had us somewhere. So she tasted the brand and likely it was recommended to her by another woman, right? So one thing to note about 21 Seeds, we have an 80% female consumer. So what we set out to do, we did. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, think about that. We're talking about tequila here, right? This is not an RTD. This is not a wine. This is not a ready to drink in a bottle. This is tequila. And we have an 80% female consumer. So our hypothesis, like go where she is, let her know about the brand and the product and, and make a really good product. And she'll do the rest. She'll recommend it to her girlfriends. And that's the beauty of it. Um, the, the grapevine, right? Like the, the rec- women love to recommend to other women. So we really relied on that. And so what happened was Katie tasted it. Then she wrote about us in her uh, Wake Up With Katie, which is an incredible, by the way, newsletter. So Wake Up With Katie every morning. Uh, so she wrote about us in that. And then the Today Show saw that because they follow Katie. So then they called us and did a whole profile on us on the Today Show. And then from there, Katie continues to support us through like, she always includes us in giveaways. She included us in her holiday giveaway, her Mother's Day giveaway. And, you know, her readers see it and and recommend us to other folks. And, you know, I mean, that's what happened. Jessica Alba is another fan of the brand. Uh, you know, she, she's recommended us to other people. For, and we knew that like Naomi Watts knew Jessica Alba. So it's like, then all of a sudden Naomi Watts is, is, is posting about the brand. All of these people are just authentic fans of the brand. And that's the power of the female network, you know, which I think a lot of industries sometimes ignore that are outside the traditional industries of like, say, skincare and clothing. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, what's, what's the future hold for the brand? Um, is this something where, you know, you brought on someone like Pierrick, you're, you're continuing to scale, you're growing. Yeah. Um, you know, do you, are you, do you want to just continue to feel the growth? Is this a brand that you ultimately would like to exit from? Like, what are your goals and your sister and your, you know, your girlfriend's goal, um, or to, with the brand sort of what have, what have you thought about in terms of where you want to see this in like the next five years or so? Yeah. So we, we, we feel like we're just getting started. You know, I mean, the, 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 the interesting thing is we went after, you know, uh, first we went to where she was, where she was to let her know about the brand. And then we, we wanted to put it where she shops, right? So most, our power user is the millennial mom and she shops at groceries. So we wanted to make sure we got into all the grocery stores and like from, you know, from Sam's club to Walmart to, uh, Safeway, all of those places. Right. So that was the first round. And now, uh, the beauty of that is we've, we've laid out this great distribution network and on top, now our girl's drinking us at home. And when she goes back out, as things start to open up again, she's going to want to be able to find us in the on-premise. So now we can take all of that great distribution and awareness uh, and go to the on-premise and say, hey, guys and girls, you know, listen, they're drinking this at home. They're going to want to drink it in the bars and restaurants. And so now our focus is to really like hit the on-premise big time where we think, look, we make so much sense, right? Because we make making those most commonly sold cocktails, margarita, spicy margarita, Paloma. We've done 80% of the heavy lifting. You can make a cleaner, easier to drink, lighter one, faster, few ingredients, less bartender touch points with 21 seeds. So it's like, we think that there's a real opportunity in the on-premise, which we're excited about for this year. And we want to just continue to grow the brand and continue to, to bring in more 
um, women and people who have left the category. You know, we oftentimes will get folks who are just like, oh, I can't even, I can't even smell tequila. I want to, right. you know, because everyone's drinking it. But my God, since college, it's like, it's, it's too much. And we're like, just smell it, just smell it. And then they do. And then suddenly we've brought them back to the category and they're so excited. So we think there's so much potential still that we have not even begun to unearth. And we've gotten, you know, a request from overseas now for the product. So we want to focus on California, uh, on the U.S., really hit this market hard over the next couple of years and think about expanding internationally. And, you know, we're open to whatever the future holds, but we're so excited to, to do this. And then on top of it, we're, I think pioneers, like we're really part of those, you know, early f- women in spirits, which we're thrilled about, you know, to bring more people into the category. I talk a lot with um, younger female, uh, you know, not necessarily younger, but just other women who are looking to get in the industry, sharing how we did it, our approach, um, which we love. And I'm on the advisory council now for WSWA helping with oh, wow. exactly that. Yeah. Which is really cool on, um, sort of how you bring a, a craft spirit to market, um, in this day and age. So we're writing that playbook together with some other really cool brands that they've included in the advisory council. So really, really stoked about that. Very cool. Well, this has been really interesting to learn a lot more about the brand, um, and to, you know, hear all about the growth and, what's been happening, how you created it. So Kat, thank you so much. And Pierre-Rick, it's been great to chat with you. I'll, I'll be not as not as much, but that's fine. I know you just, you just joined, but it's been awesome having you on as well. So thank you both so much for joining me to chat about 21 Seeds. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcast. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.